Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tracy Ray. Ever wondered what a nutritionist and GP's top health tips might be? Well, wonder no more, as on today's episode, I'm joined by GP and recipe writer, Dr. Chintal Patel. Hi, Chintel. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for today's episode, as there's really nothing I enjoy more than sitting down and discussing all things health and wellness. I imagine as a practicing GP, you must see a variety of health struggles on a daily basis. Quite often, actually. It's something that comes up in conversation if we're chatting about general health, um, particularly if I'm seeing families or children. Yeah, I often think that with um, when you're working as a GP, that there must be quite a bit of pressure um, in terms of the lifestyle and kind of nutrition questions as well. Because obviously, in, instinctually, if I'm going to see my GP for uh, a blood test and I'm low in iron or um, maybe my blood sugars are a little bit high or maybe I have a kid that has decided to go vegetarian as we were talking before <laughs> we started recording. Um, it just seems quite natural to ask, so what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that note, if we were to kind of share some absolute top tips, so for all the above, if I'm going vegetarian or um, I want to be healthy, what do I do? Um, if we were to kind of discuss some of these top tips to help listeners live their healthiest, most energetic lives, what might some of these be? So first of all, I welcome questions like that in my surgery. I love questions like that. So it's quite nice. It's, it's a topic that I'm particularly interested in. So it's, it's fun for me. Um, but I think um, also our whole approach in medical profession actually is to look at lifestyle changes first before we're, we're going to kind of come into a health problem with medication or, or other ways of tackling it. So I think it's something that you'll find that a lot of your healthcare professionals will be familiar with. So do ask the question. Um, and if they're not, then they'll definitely be able to direct you to somebody who could help. So what kind of tips would I give? Um, I like to kind of take it really back down to basics when it comes to health tips. So very general tips um, to improve. So if we're looking at diet, for example, to just maybe give some very simple tips such as adding more colors to meals. So thinking about a particular meal and trying to make sure it has maybe a couple of colors or two or three colors incorporated into that meal. And by colours, I mean different colours of vegetables or fruits or things that you're going to use in that meal. And that can be as easy as just adding a side salad with a couple of two or three different vegetables in it. Or it could be incorporating some different vegetables within a particular recipe. I, I think I mentioned before in a previous pod, but I always aim for your five a day to be five vegetables um, and then adding on things like fruit separately. I very much kind of go back to using frozen um, fruits and vegetables and using tinned produce for ease. I would say experiment and try different things and experiment with flavors and spices as much as you can to kind of add fun and add um, a, a different dimension to your cooking. I would say kind of start slow 
and incorporate changes that you can sustain long term as opposed to trying to really radically change things in your diet so that you're slowly incorporating things that will become lifelong changes. And I think if you're going to tackle one area, the main area to tackle in my house anyway would be the snack cupboard because <laughs> that's usually where I will go to and that's where I will sometimes maybe fall. Yes. Um, so in that snack cupboard, try and have things that, that would be healthier options. So, you know, things like rice cakes, crackers, nuts, seeds, you know, all those kind of different things so that you don't just automatically reach for a chocolate bar or a packet of crisps so that you've got some alternative things in there. Absolutely. And even, you know, some days we will stick to the the healthy foods. Other days we might reach for the packet of crisps. Mm. But if you have the healthy foods, then you can at least try to have the carrot and hummus beforehand. And then if you're still really, really craving the crisps, then maybe it's just one of those days where it's going to be a crisp day. Um, yeah, but, you know, at least you've had the nutrients from the hummus and carrots, right? Yeah, Better absolutely. than just crisps alone. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I kind of think um, it's quite important to view that nutrition across maybe a week as opposed mm. to, I, I usually view our our overall kind of meals and nutrition across a week. So if you've got a day where you've just eaten pizza and then you've reached the snack cupboard and had crisps and a chocolate bar, that's okay because you'll balance that out during the rest of the week and don't kind of kick yourself about it. I think just just move on and, and accept that, that that's part of your balance, isn't it? You're, you're allowed to have a little bit of everything, so... That's such a good point. And it actually brings me back, funnily enough, to my home ec teacher when I was in school many years ago. And she actually said something similar around, you know, think about the week, don't focus so much mm -hmm. on the day, which funnily enough, as someone who has spent many, many years in uh, education around nutrition and, and health and well-being, it's not something that actually comes up a lot and it's not something that we hear discussed a lot because with, you know, you, you tend to think about it as a daily thing. You think of like your daily calories or your five mm. a day or mm. we do talk about um, health and eating well on a very kind of daily basis, mm. whereas actually in reality, it really is like you can absolutely do it from that weekly thing. And I think it gives you a little bit more of a grace period to kind mm. of think, you know, I didn't just throw off everything because I had uh, this chocolate cookie because I really, really felt like a chocolate cookie. It's like, actually, I had like three meals that I cooked from scratch this week that had three different types of vegetables in them. They were delicious. And I had a cookie, <laughs> you know, so that's actually a pretty nutritious week. Yeah, no, I always take it back to um, your weekly shop. Yeah. And so within that weekly shop, you know, I'll be throwing in some packets of cookies and I'll be throwing in crisps and whatever else you want. But at the same time, I'll be throwing in lots of nutritional things as well. And, you know, if you've viewed it during that week and you've you've done your shopping for the week, what's in your fridge and in your cupboards will be a mix of all of that. And so that allows you to have that kind of variety during the week. Absolutely. Look at your shopping trolley with the 80-20 mindset mm -hmm. instead of necessarily maybe the day with the 80-20 mindset. Because mm -hmm. some days, you know, are just different. You know, sometimes you have all of your meals cooked, you 
bring your lunch to work and tubware and you're feeling amazing. You've had eight portions of vegetables and you're just the bomb. <laughs> Whereas other days, maybe you have a few different social events. Maybe you go mm. to a party, someone brings a cake in at work um, and maybe you do eat a little bit more, more sugar or whatever it may be. But it's okay because you're balancing it out as a whole. I love that. Mm-hmm. And another thing I wanted to, that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to kind of come back on is the idea of color um, as an approach to health, because it's something I think a lot in particular when it comes to um, children and trying to nourish their passion and excitement around, you know, healthy foods. Um, this idea that, you know, focus on color for nutrition. So if you're at the supermarket, go for like, if you're going to pick up a bag of red apples, go for like the deepest, most beautiful, vibrant red apples. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going to go for your red pepper, get the most glowing, beautiful, deep red colored pepper. And actually there is a scientific relation to the color of foods and the nutrient density. So the more dense that kind of color, it's a sign of ripeness, it's a sign of antioxidants and nutrition. So I love what you were mentioning there about, you know, if the idea of thinking of nutrition in a very mechanical way just seems really, really off-putting, maybe just look at your meals and see how can I add more colour to this? Mm. I think it also makes meals look more interesting and more appetising, doesn't it? And I think, you know, quite often you'll go to the supermarket and there's such a range of colours out there. And if you just think a little bit into switching up that colours, so, you know, you hear a lot about eating the rainbow. Um, And so, you know, just trying to make your trolley little rainbow of different things so that you've got that access to it and it just makes life a bit more interesting and and your meals so much more interesting as well doesn't it as well as the nutrient aspects of it and I think certainly as a mum if I bring home a kind of purple carrot as opposed to an orange carrot all of a sudden you know everybody wants to try it and it's it's just automatically eaten um, as opposed to if you're just bringing home the same colors and the same things, it's just, it's nice to switch it up with that. That's so true. I remember when I first learned that carrots weren't originally orange, absolutely shocked me. And I immediately mm. went out to get like purple and white and yellow carrots. Mm. And you're right, you do get, you almost forget that you're doing something healthy because you're so excited yeah. about the produce. You're like, oh, how can I cook exactly. these in a way that's delicious? This summer, we uh, we grew purple potatoes, and it was like oh, wow. the most fun. I mean, when I say we grew, you know, it's it's a small tub. It wasn't self-sustaining. But, um, you know, it was a really fun project to see the difference, to see that the stems and the flowers have a purple tinge, and, you know, just to talk about it and, and kind of get that interest in it. Absolutely. I mean, I will say, I think even a small amount of potatoes is quite an achievement (laughs) coming from someone that doesn't have green fingers. Um, So that's very impressive to me. Um, But also taking back the idea of colour to kind of the some of the standard, I would say probably more the standard westernized diets that you see, so standard British diets or standard American diets. If you actually have a think about them, 
they are quite um, lacking in color. You know, if you think about, say, you start your day with a bowl of cereal and milk, that's kind of very mm. beige. Maybe you have a sandwich with some cheese um, for lunch. It's again, those kind of like creamy beige colors. Maybe you have some pasta with a sauce running through again you're getting a lot of that kind of beige kind of typical starchy color um so really in a lot of ways a lot of those kind of standard things that we eat day in day out toast cereal um some pastas not all pasta um they really actually are lacking in color and if you instead of even trying to overhaul your diet if you actually just took all of those meals that you already eat and tried to maybe incorporate, you mm. know, one, two, three colorful things, you know, throw some berries or some raisins or I don't know if you have any other recommendations on your cereal or throw some things yeah. on your pasta. Yeah. You actually have quite a decently healthy diet quite quickly. Absolutely. Just just keeping that same diet that, like you say, you know, on top of the cereal, throwing blueberries and, and strawberries, all of a sudden you've got two colors there. Um, if we go to the sandwich, just putting in some some layers of spinach or grated carrot in addition to the cheese, you know, you've got a an, an layer of hummus. You've automatically got more, more vegetables and more colors just automatically in there. The pasta, it doesn't need to be beige, just throwing in some roast vegetables or stirring in a packet of baby spinach leaves and tomatoes or, mm. you know, it's so easy to incorporate those colors, isn't it? And just those small tweaks mean that you're not trying something totally new. It's just little adjustments to your diet. Absolutely. And particularly when you bring in what you mentioned about having like very accessible colors on hand. So, you know, having your frozen mm. fruits and vegetables or your, you know, tin chopped tomatoes or, you know, your tinned pulses, it really becomes so achievable. You mm. don't, I mean, absolutely, I'm a big fan of, of freshly prepared vegetables. But if that seems like too much, you don't even need to take that step straight mm. away. Like look at your store cupboard, look at your freezer, and actually you can make a lot of changes quite simply. Yeah, absolutely. Always have. I always have a kind of freezer full of, of different vegetables to hand. And it's so easy to just throw peas and sweet corn into something or some spinach, frozen spinach. And quite often it's um, it's cheaper. It's more economical. It's more practical if you're working and you don't necessarily have, you know, the time to go and get fresh fruits and vegetables every few days. So Absolutely. It bulks it out. If someone calls around for dinner, they'll expect it. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, absolutely, we had a meal for five. <laughs> so another thing that I definitely wanted to get your thoughts on is this idea of fiber. Um, because I know from talking to you previously, again, this is something that is a reason behind a lot of the, the illnesses that, that we're seeing these days. But also it's something that a lot of people on a practical level struggle to get enough fiber. And if you think about all of the, there, there's so many foods that have great different sources of fiber, but we're still really struggling to kind of get that in our in our day to day um, to support our digestive system. I'd love to know if you have any particular um, methods or approaches to making sure you're including enough of those fibrous foods in your diet. 
Mm, so, as you say, fiber is so important for, you know, our gut health, our gut microbiome. It's shown to reduce the risk of, of colon cancer and so many other health benefits of increasing fiber. Um, so it's something that I, I recommend a lot to, to patients. And and I guess um, just trying to trying to make some very simple swaps within your family's um meal plan would would help to increase that that fiber so the first thing i usually um would would think about are things like your whole grains so which particular whole grains you're having so a re- three really easy swaps would be um looking at kind of rice pasta and bread which tend to be um three whole grains that pe- the three grains that people are having and so you know just trying to switch up maybe that white pasta to brown pasta the, the white bread to seeded or brown bread and then the same with the rice I find the rice is probably a bit more of a something to um, get used to from a taste point of view True. but we've we've kind of adjusted to it as a family and we quite like it now so we'll try kind of different varieties and try wild rice and red rice and different things and maybe switching up the grains that you're using even so incorporate things like quinoa oats bulgur wheat, all sorts of different grains into your diet as well to kind of increase that fiber. I think um, going back to things like snacks, it's quite um, easy to sometimes incorporate high fiber rich snacks into your diet. So, you know, adding things like fruit, vegetables, um, you might want to add things like hummus and vegetables, um, nuts and seeds, popcorn, all these kind of things that have got lots of fiber into your snacks. We have an approach at home where we try and make at least half of our meal, our main meals. So in the evening, um, our main meal, half of that would be vegetable or plant based. So literally, it's kind of like half that plate. And we, you know, we make make it a fun thing and and make it a real, it's always been something that we've done as a family. So my kids know it. So whether it's kind of supplementing with some salad or or just having kind of a, some roast vegetables or something, but half of that plate would be vegetable-based. And that just automatically will increase both colors and fiber into that meal. And then just simple things, maybe like leaving skin on things. So, um, you know, things like potatoes, carrots, you can just leave the skin on. And that's that's where a lot of the fiber is. Your fruits don't peel things like apples, pears, things like that. There's a lot of nutrients and a lot of fiber in, in the skin. I feel like almost uh, kind of by bringing in the colors, which we were previously discussing, you almost would automatically fill your plate with more fiber, Mm. you know, kind of by trying to bring in that variety of color, you're also kind of ticking the fiber box in Mm. in a way as well. Definitely. Um, And I absolutely love what you said about, um, you know, having half your portion as vegetables, because it's something that I used to say all of the time in clinic and it always seemed like such a simplistic thing but I do think that when when people are incorporating vegetables I do see that the portions can be quite small Mm. and we're so used to serving everything on like this big heap of rice or this big heap of mm. pasta or we have our dal with like this big stack of roti <laughs> um and there's always 
there's always like a big stack of carbs somewhere. Mm. Um, and I know that, you know, there are historical origins from that. Obviously, carbohydrates were quite um, a fantastic discovery during times of, of famine and things like that, where they were very energy dense mm. foods that were readily available. And um, so they played a really big part in nutrition back when there was food scarcity. Mm-hmm. But I think in this day and age where there's less food scarcity and maybe more nutrient scarcity, so we're mm. eating lots, but we're not necessarily nourished as well. Um, bringing it back to kind of peeling back those portions of the, 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 the rice and the pasta and actually serving it with a side of vegetables, I think is a really, really simple way of making a massive difference to your health and just looking at your plate like that and doesn't matter what you're having you can still you know have your lasagna your risotto Mm. or your your curry or whatever it may be um but having it on that side of vegetables automatically makes it Mm. a really nutritious meal Mm -hmm. it's one of the first um first kind of changes that we made as a family um and also just uh a step that I suggest to patients. It's a really easy switch up. Yeah. And I think um, also people sometimes forget that things like beans and pulses, that all counts as part of your vegetables as well. So, you know, you can, can incorporate that into the diet as well, which makes it a little bit easier. It doesn't just have to be your raw chopped up vegetables. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't have to just be boiled and it doesn't just have to be raw. There are delicious ways. (laughs) Bring back the frying pan, the roasting, the air frying, which is very popular at the moment. Um, So you mentioned when it comes to fiber, you brought up the aspect of gut health, which obviously is quite a topical um, point of discussion these days. And for good reason, because it turns out the microbiome does a lot for us. (laughs) The microbiome being the um, family of of healthy bacteria and all the different kind of bugs in in your gut for anyone who may not be familiar. Um, But it made me think of another point that uh, when it comes to feeling energized through your diet and lifestyle, something that I often think about is digestion. So yes, what you put into your body is really important. Um, also, what you don't put into your body is important. <laughs> um, but equally, how your body actually digests and reacts to the things that you put into it is so, so important. And I don't think it's something that um, we talk about very much until there is a significant gut issue. So until there is bloating or um, flatulence, am I allowed to say that, or constipation or, you know, any of those really uncomfortable um, gut symptoms, we don't really consider, well, how do you feel after eating? You know, when you when you've eaten your dinner or your breakfast or your lunch, do you feel energized? Do you feel tired? Um, Do you feel a bit bloated? Do you feel a bit heavy? Like what's going on there and how can we um, eat to to be eat to support digestion and be cognizant of of actually our body breaking that down and drawing those nutrients 
and giving them to the body, which is the whole purpose of, of foods in the beginning. I don't know if you see a lot of people that do kind of have digestive upset and, and things like that in your clinic. Mm, definitely. Um, and I think um, we spoke a little bit earlier about kind of not drastically cutting things out of your diet. Um, but a lot of the tips that we've mentioned about just increasing that fiber and that vegetables um, could actually help to address some of these issues. Okay. Um, by increasing fiber, you can increase the kind of gut motility. You can increase um, the way your gut responds. You can increase, you can improve the way you digest foods um, and help prevent constipation. So actually quite often just fit, you know, having a little look at your overall diet and just making those small changes that we've spoken about can actually help to improve all those symptoms. Absolutely. And I think, you know, not only getting in more of those healthy foods will naturally support digestion because they have a lot more enzymes and things going on to help break down the food, but also just thinking about how you're chewing, how you're eating, mm. you know, slowing down, being less distracted, thinking about your space. Are you eating in front of your laptop or in front of the mm. telly? Um, or are you eating at a table? Are you conscious of, you know, how many times you're you're chewing? They, the ideal amount being like 20 chews per piece of food, which I know can sound absolutely crazy for someone who's never thought about it before. And I'm not saying that everyone should be eating their food and kind of <laughs> counting their chews. But if you are someone that eats really, really quickly, mm. um, that can actually be really hard on your digestion because you can kind of have a massive meal in your stomach before the hormones in your brain have had a chance to mm. actually register and say, ooh, I'm actually feeling mm. quite full. And the more food you have in your stomach, you're kind of, you have less acid and enzymes and all of the good things in there whose purpose it is to break down that food. You have less available to break mm. down that food. And then it's going to the next stage of digestion, maybe slightly less digested than it should. And then you're starting that whole cycle where, you know, you will start getting this burping and reflux mm. and bloating. So I think, you know, Adding in those bits to your diet, which we know are important for gut health, but also just kind of thinking about being a little bit more present with your food, chewing a little bit more slowly, mm. trying if possible to step away from the laptop. I know I'm really bad for that, but just being conscious that when you are eating, you're eating, mm. not being so distracted. Absolutely. And actually eating you know, we try as a family to have one meal together, usually the evening meal. And actually, you know, talking about the food and, and having conversations around the food makes such a difference as well, doesn't it, to, to how you will digest that food and how you feel about food. And I think um, maybe another, another thing that would help from a digestion point of view, I find personally, and sometimes, um, you know, for my family too, that when you eat that that meal. So I find eating my evening meal much earlier in the evening helps me to digest properly to, to help with the symptoms of, of reflux or bloating um, and trying to have that gap between your evening meal and when you go to sleep, for example, would really help if you were suffering from kind of reflux symptoms. And Again, sleep is the time for your digestion to shut off. Mm. Um, you know, we don't often think about the fact that 
Digestion is obviously the place that you get, you take in calories and energy for your body, but it's also one of the functions of your body that takes up the most energy. Mm -hmm. So you do need to give your body a break from that. And sleep is the kind of inbuilt place for that break. Mm. But if we're eating really, really close um, to our bedtime or, you know, snacking in bed while maybe watching some <laughs> telly, you can really kind of mm. produce more digestive issues. Your body is trying to shut off, but your tummy's full and just can't it just doesn't feel very mm. good so even just giving that slight little gap they say like two to three hours in an mm -hmm. ideal world but sometimes we don't live in an ideal world even if you only have an hour maybe eat something a little lighter and just you know do your best but you're right it, it absolutely can really really make a massive difference to people suffering from from things like reflux and bloating and mm. and all of those symptoms and I think on sleep as well I know that it's not necessarily maybe a sexy thing to talk <laughs> about, um, but I do think that when it comes to feeling healthy, feeling good, feeling energized, and also making the kind of health decisions that you want to make, particularly when it comes to food, sleep is an absolute key. And I think it's something we all know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we all know that we need to sleep, but when we're super, super busy and there's lots of things we want to get done and we really want to finish that show or we really want to finish that piece of work, it tends to be the thing that we're okay to sacrifice a little mm. bit. Um, but And while we can get away with that for a small amount of time, there is such a massive purpose for sleep in the body. It's for that renewal. It's for that rejuvenation. And it's not just, the, the purpose isn't just, you know, to wake up feeling more energized, but it's also to support longevity and prevent disease. Because if you're not giving your body that time to kind of rest and rejuvenate and have all that cellular turnover um, that happens during, during sleep, you're actually going to speed up mm -hmm. and accelerate, you know, inflammation in your chances of, of developing different diseases. Um, but just back to kind of the health and energetic side as well. I don't know about you, but if I don't sleep very well, those are the days that I wake up the next morning and I'm like, give me coffee, mm -hmm. give me sugar, Give me easy, easy energy, anything carby, because I just need to make it through the day because I'm so exhausted. Whereas if I actually get my eight hours and I mean, the scientific recommendation is between kind of seven to nine hours. So you can kind of like, you know, try and see what works for you. I know for me, eight hours is golden. Um, but on those days that you do actually get those eight hours, you wake up a different person. You're like let me go and do some exercise. <laughs> let me go and cook that delicious recipe that I, I had in mind. Let me eat my five a day. And it just makes, it's like the backbone. It just makes such a difference. I don't know what you, what you think about, about sleep, but. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And it, and like you say, it's the one thing for me as well that I am quite often, you know, less rigid about. Yeah. Um, and it is the thing that goes if something has to give to allow me to do what I have to achieve in that day and even not just the eight hours when I take those eight hours so if it's 
you know, if I'm in bed by 11, which is what I usually try to do because I wake up um, quite early in the morning, that makes such a huge difference to me. But if I'm in bed after midnight, even if I've had eight hours, it will really affect the way I function the next day. Um, So sleep is so important. And I think maybe it's something that a lot of us allow to slip but maybe it should be, especially as we get older, a, a bigger priority, actually. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, we could go into the whole idea of, you know, sleep patterns as well, which you mm. mentioned, because I think, you know, sleep patterns and sleep hygiene is a very big aspect of it as well. It's, yes, the quantity, but also the quality. Um, so making sure you're in like a dark room, mm. not bringing your phone and <laughs> and all the social media and um, the laptops to bed, trying to unwind and also trying to keep that routine. You know, your body does love a routine to an extent. We are cyclical creatures. So I think, yes, it can take a certain amount of of change and, and it, it is a flexible thing. But on a constant basis, your body does love a good circadian rhythm. Mm. It does love to know when it's going to sleep and when it's getting up. And the more you can stick to that quite close. I don't know if you ever read the um, research around kind of weekday um, sleep hours and then the weekend hours. So the idea that people can keep quite structured uh, Mm. sleep hours during the weekday and then they'll, you know, sleep in on the weekend, which feels like a really great, luxurious thing to mm. do. But actually, it can like throw mm. your body out of that, out of that sink. Mm. Um, so you'd almost be better um, getting up at a similar time and maybe taking a nap if you're tired mm. at, the, at the weekend. But yeah, so that's a really good point that you made about the pattern as well. It's not just the quantity, it's the quality. Mm. Anyway, that's all we have time for. Um, but I've absolutely loved talking to you. I think hopefully we've provided some some good tips um, to our listeners around just kind of simple ways of simple things that you can do to to live a healthier life and hopefully feel better, feel more energized. Um, For anyone that would like to find out more about Chantel, you can find all of the links on our podcast page on bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast. But thank you so much for being here, Chantel. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you. I've learned so much from you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the BBC Good Food Podcast. Join us on Thursday for our bonus cook-along recipe. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.